Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blemson. Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, believes he has found a way to ease the country's severe labour shortage while maintaining a tough anti-immigration policy. He's offering tax and other incentives to encourage people to have larger families. But will it work? Katie Martin discusses the move with Neil Buckley and Valerie Hopkins. So, Valerie, you covered Mr. Orban's speech yesterday when he made these policy announcements. What exactly has he promised? Well, in his speech, he laid out a very comprehensive seven-point plan that he hopes is going to boost the birth rate. So specifically, what made all the biggest headlines was waiving all personal income taxes for women who have at least four children. And this is, you know, a very small percentage of the Hungarian population, but it should be noted that Prime Minister Orban and his wife do have five children. Another thing that he proposed was that women who get married under the age of 40 can apply for a subsidized loan worth about £28,000. So a third of the debt would be forgiven when a second child is born, and then the entire loan would be waived after a third child is born. They also expanded an existing loan program for families with two or more children to buy homes worth about £3,000, and an even more generous subsidy for families with at least three children to buy specifically cars with seven seats or more that's worth about 8,000 euros or two and a half million Hungarian forints. And they also announced a plan that would give something like maternity or paternity leave to grandparents who need to assist with childcare. There are many older workers in the Hungarian workforce because there is a labor shortage here. And they also made a promise to make space for 21,000 more children in state-funded creches. Wow, so there's really a lot going on there. I mean, it's difficult for those of us who are parents sometimes to imagine wanting that many children, but clearly they're taking it seriously. I mean, How serious is the problem of Hungary's falling population and what's the impact on the economy? Well, Hungary is consistently among the lowest countries in the world in terms of natality rate. I think women have an average of 1.4 children. And Hungary has a population now of just under 10 million. And I think it's also something about the Hungarian national sentiment that they feel that they're a small country. And this feeling is sort of heightening as the centennial of the Treaty of Trianon, which saw Hungary lose two-thirds of its territory, is approaching next year. And something that the prime minister sort of regularly hits on. Um, But it has been suffering from a labor shortage with factory workers being squeezed and also very large numbers of Hungarians emigrating. The estimates now are that between 600,000 Hungarians and 1 million have left the country in the last 10 years for better jobs or for different reasons, some who don't appreciate the political direction the country's taken. And it's important to mention that this has also been having political ramifications. So in December, in an attempt to try to mitigate the labor shortage, the parliament passed a law that's been dubbed by its opponents as the slave law, which allows employers to seek up to 400 hours annually of overtime. This amounts to about eight hours extra per week. And it caused weeks of street protests, sometimes attended by up to 10,000 people. And it's also affecting Hungary's economic model, which is really focused on German car companies. There was a strike in Audi two weeks ago, and the workers demanded an 18% pay increase They got it, and, which is an indication of how overworked people are, the right to have one full weekend off per month, which was one of their other key demands.
It takes a long time for babies to be old enough to enter the workforce. I mean, there's a long time lag here before the results of these policies will become apparent. Do you think Mr Orban has the money to spend on these initiatives? Well, Mr Orban did not elaborate exactly where the funding for this program would come or how much it would cost. I mean, I've seen different estimates already from economists. Some have said it could be between, you know, tens of billions of forints. Others said it could cost up to 500 billion forints if every woman of marriageable and child-rearing age got married and started to avail herself of these. And just for those who can do the swift mental calculations, one pound is about 350 forints. We should note, though, that there aren't that many women with four children already. And many, many women who do have a lot of children do not re-enter the workforce. For instance, anecdotally, I know of a woman who recently gave birth to triplets and she was entitled to seven years of maternity leave because Hungary has among the most generous maternity policies in Europe. But this is also part and parcel of Mr. Orban's opposition to migration. He's also connected this need to raise the birth rate in Hungary to his opposition to what he dubbed a new internationalism that's being imposed by pro-migration forces in Brussels. This is what he said. And he railed yesterday in his speech about mixed population countries, saying that if they did allow migration rather than focusing on the birth rate, Christians would become a minority, and that's not acceptable to him. And this is actually quite popular with the Hungarian electorate. Mm. Is this a specifically Hungarian issue? I mean, how does the situation there compare to other Eastern European countries? Do they face similar problems? Yes, I do think that it is being most acutely felt in Hungary, as we saw from the slave law, or politically, because of the real vehement opposition to immigration. But across Europe, and especially Eastern Europe, I think... Most of the top 20 countries with the lowest birth rates are in Eastern Europe. I checked the stats, and in 2017, in Hungary, the average woman was having, as I mentioned, just less than one and a half children, if that's possible, which is the same or similar in Austria, Bulgaria, Czechia, that's the new name for the Czech Republic, Germany, Italy, Serbia, and Greece. But there are other countries with more dire situations like Romania, where between low birth rates and the fact that an estimated fifth of the population emigrated in the last 15 years, they are seeing severe labor shortages. But there are other countries that have also been trying to deal with this and also connecting it to nationalist or populist policies. In Poland, the Law and Justice Party rose to power in 2015, promising to give families 500 zlotys, about 100 pounds a month. And this is one third of the minimum wage. So it's very, very popular, but it has cost more than 1% of Poland's GDP. I know Serbia as well has instituted a payment for a third child, hoping to promote population growth. But I've heard very mixed things about how those funds are actually being distributed and whether or not they've tried to make the conditions for getting the funds a little bit more restrictive so that families couldn't actually avail themselves of them. So, Neil, you've been covering this region for many years. I hope you don't mind my saying. What's causing this widespread phenomenon? Well, it is a problem that is common across the vast majority of European Union countries, that you have very low birth rates on the one hand, but you have increasing longevity, life expectancy on the other hand. And I think all except three European Union countries are in the same position. 
What does that mean? It means that you don't have necessarily enough people to pay for the costs, the healthcare and the pensions of your ageing population. And you can also end up with skills shortages. What's different between Western Europe and Central Europe, the former communist bloc countries, is most of those countries are seeing outflows of what population they do have, the younger working age population, towards Western Europe where they can earn higher wages and in many cases have better opportunities. And those countries are not attracting in and haven't attracted in historically immigrants from elsewhere to make up for the labour shortages. So that's why it's such a particular problem in Central and Eastern Europe. You mentioned there's a lot of young people leaving. I mean, to what extent could this situation be resolved by easing up on immigration? And why are there such strong cultural barriers in some of these places to such a move? What you've got to remember is most of the Central Eastern European countries don't have a history of mass migration like Western European countries like Britain, France, Spain, Italy, where immigration has been happening for a much longer period of time, some of it from former colonies, and it has become more socially accepted over time. Central and Eastern European populations tend to be much more homogeneous. So there is a little bit of popular reluctance or suspicion towards the phenomenon of mass immigration. But certain political leaders like Viktor Orban in Hungary, like the Law and Justice Party in Poland, are playing on those suspicions and reluctance in a nationalistic, nativist kind of a way, pointing to what happened in 2015 when there was the huge influx of refugees from Syria and elsewhere, pointing at Islamist terrorism in some West European countries and saying, we don't want this, we don't want this in our region, therefore we're not going to allow that kind of mass immigration. And what we're going to do instead is persuade our own populations to have more children. I mean, as Valerie was saying, we've had some flavours of these sorts of policies from the Law and Justice Party in Poland. I mean, what's the evidence that these sorts of financial inducements work? They work in raising the birth rate. There's certainly signs of that. Poland, a year or so after it introduced the 500-plus programme that Valerie mentioned, did see an increase in the birth rate. You know, if you provide financial incentives, then people do follow them. Actually, outside the EU, Russia under Vladimir Putin has had a system called maternal capital for some years where they similarly make higher benefit payments to larger families. So it does help to raise the birth rate. However, you can end up with another problem, which is women dropping out of the workplace because it becomes more financially beneficial for them to stay at home and have more children. And that is also, there's some signs of that happening in Poland. So it can be a double-edged thing. You may get the birth rate up, but lose people out of the workplace today. And of course, babies being born now don't enter the workplace until a long time in the future. But of course, it suits the political needs of these countries to say we're growing our native population. Actually, what Poland has been doing is to allow significant immigration, but not from the Middle East. It's allowed in more than a million Ukrainians into Poland over the last three or four years to make up for the skill shortage there. And they like to talk about that as well. We're doing our bit because we might not be taking people from the Middle East, but we're taking people from the Ukraine. Mm. So, Valerie, what happens in the event that when all these children grow up and they're ready to enter the workforce, actually what they find is a lot of jobs have been automated? Is this something that's part of the conversation? Yes, well, I think that 
Hungary especially is really waking up to the need to prepare for the future jobs in automation. But, you know, right now, output from German auto companies primarily is one third of Hungary's industrial output. And, you know, it's clear that these jobs will be changing by the time the babies that have not yet been born or young children now come of age. So I think that these investments in boosting demographics also need to come in the form of improving the education system and the healthcare system to look at creating the jobs that don't exist yet. For instance, in Hungary, because of the labor shortage, they recently overhauled the vocational training system to decrease the number of hours people spend in the classroom. And some economists worry that this makes people less retrainable for the future jobs. So I think that Hungary and other countries in the region will need to be assessing their curriculums and making sure that the workers of the future will be more adaptable and ready for automation when it comes. That's fascinating stuff. Thanks both of you very much. That was Katie Martin talking to Valerie Hopkins, our Southeast Europe correspondent, and Neil Buckley, our former East Europe editor. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.